and we're back with First and Now, the official BC Lions podcast, episode 26. We're in day 827 or something like that of quarantine, self-isolation, whatever you want to call it. My name is Matt Baker, a host of First and Now, and now we've got our occasional co-host stopping by, uh, Julio Caravetta. Uh, from his home out there in uh, Coquitlam, I believe it is. Julio, how you doing? Yes, sir. I'm good, buddy. How are you? Uh, good, all things considered. Uh, you and I have talked a bit throughout this time. Uh, very different. Unprecedented, I think, would be the way uh, yeah. to discuss I've heard it. that word a lot lately. Yeah, when, when, it talks about, when we're talking about COVID-19 and uh, doing our part to sort of um, bend the curve, as they say. A lot of topics I want to hit on with you. It is draft week. It is one of those weeks where it would normally feel like football is around the corner. And, of course, we've had the NFL draft here in the last few days. But um, as a firefighter, West Vancouver Fire Department for several years now, Julio, um, take us through what it's been like uh, for you on the front line these past few weeks. Well, it's been uh, – it's definitely been uh... – I would say stressful, you know, uh, it's just one of those situations where obviously you mean, you said the word, I think I've heard it more, more the last little while is unprecedented. Um, but as far as, you know, what we do on the front lines, you know, it's been a very, very fluid situation. Things have been changing uh, just like, you know, we all know, like when it first started there in the middle of March to where we are now, things have changed so drastically. Um, but, I, you know, I have to say, like, our, you know, our department, uh, the members, um, our management staff, the city of West Vancouver, they've done a tremendous job of staying on top of things. And, you know, things change, things change daily for me. Um, it's something that we're always trying to keep on top of. And, you know, as far as protocol and, and you know, how we approach patients and all those kinds of things. So, you know, you know, and, 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 and as you say, right, it's one of the things we do is we train all the time for different scenarios. You know, we, we mm -hmm. spend a lot of time practicing and going over scenario after scenario. And, you know, when this thing first hit, it was, it was just, you know, very odd because, you know, for the first time we were dealing with something that, you know, you, you couldn't, you know, you, you can't see it, you know what I mean? You don't know for sure. Um, you know, you, you obviously, you know, when you go to a, a patient or go to a medical call and you know you have all the signs and symptoms of course you can but you know it's just all the unknown stuff that you know has guys on edge so but I think we've done a we've done a good job of of you know adapting and, and just like everybody has right uh, it, it's everybody on the front lines whether or not you're a firefighter or or you know in, in the police or ambulance or the, the people who work in the hospitals who do an amazing job but people at Home Depot and Canadian Tire and all those people, supermarkets, they're all doing a great job of, of adapting to a very, very, as you say, unprecedented situation. And well, uh, on behalf of uh, Lions fans and everybody everywhere, uh, we, we're, we're a tight unit in this province and when we do these podcasts and everything. So I uh, wanted to salute uh, you guys there uh, at the West Fan uh, Thank Fire you. Department. And Everywhere, all the frontline yeah. workers, uh, the ones who are out there, uh, you know, risking themselves on, on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, it, it's funny, Julio, though, you go back, you know, backtrack a few weeks. Um, ironically, the weekend before this kind of all hit the fan, I was in there. I don't know if you were. I was at BC Place for the Rugby Sevens, and it's... Yeah, I, 
I think it was 80,000 people crammed in there over two days. And I remember like going to the washroom at one point and guy, people are joking around, oh, make sure you wash your hands, make sure you wash your hands. Uh, kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it, when you consider how quickly it kind of turned around. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, like they said, like I know that there's talk a little bit about, you know, I, I heard today that uh, the Syria and Italy is, is thinking about coming back in mid-May. Um, I don't know, you know, what the, you know, what's, what's going to happen around it, whether or not they're going to allow people in stadiums, but they were talking about how they could tra trace back to, uh, there was a, some type of a soccer game between Italy and Spain. Um, and there was like 60 or 70,000 people in a stadium and they can, they can tra trace it back to all the problem. A lot of the problems that they have was from that, that large gathering. So like you say, having the rugby sevens and not having it turn into have been a bit, you know, a big disaster. Uh, looking back on it is uh, I'm sure everybody who was there is probably pretty thankful. Yeah. And there's talk that the national hockey league uh, could resume up here in uh, June, July. Yeah. Uh, we'll see about that. Uh, we know for sure, no CFL football before July. And again, looking at this calendar, we'd be, I guess, uh, three weeks away from going up to Kamloops. I know you'd be dusting off the golf club yeah. uh, by now uh, too, but we'll remain optimistic that we'll be uh, playing <laughs> football here. I don't know about Sunday. that, but, well, no, you're you're right too, Matt. I think the the other thing, like like you say, there would be a completely different energy and buzz around this week heading into the CFL draft, and then you know when that draft happens, usually, like you say, it's a it's a couple of weeks away from the beginning of training camp, and being able to see these draft picks at rookie camp um, is something we all would have been looking forward to. But um, it's going to be interesting to see where where this all goes. Uh, as we said, it's a fluid situation, changing all the time. Um, I know all these, everybody is trying to find a way and a solution to, you know, get their seasons underway. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, if one of these leagues does do it, what is it going to look like? And, you know, what happens if someone gets sick? You know, I know they talk about isolating in different cities and all those kinds of things. So there's just so many variables at play. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays itself out. Uh, we will talk about the draft here in just a couple of minutes. It's business as usual in that regard. But mm -hmm. a big sports guy like yourself, Julio, uh, you're a big Blue Jay guy. Uh, there's been all those classic Blue Jay games. They've been showing yeah. on TV, all kinds of NHL classics. Uh, have you been doing the nostalgia thing? Have you been watching any of that stuff? Um, I, I, I won't lie. I, I haven't sat down in front of the television and, and watched an entire game, but I have watched, you know, I'll watch for a half hour, 45 minutes or so. Um, you know, if I'm lucky enough to catch one when it's at the end uh, where I know what the result is, I'm, I'm going to stick around and watch that. But um, I'm not much of a, of a guy who watches, who goes back and watches old games. Uh, um, but it has been neat watching clips here and there of it. Former groundskeeper with the Toronto Blue Jays, yes. were you not? Exhibition Stadium? Yeah, no, yeah, no. I, I worked, uh, I, I got that job when I was... Uh, 16 so I was 16 17 18 19 um so I was there for three and a half years uh on the ground crew there I was my last year was the year that they won the American League East championship um at uh, exhibition stadium there I remember George Bell caught that fly ball and left um and then ended up losing to Kansas City in the American League uh uh, champion or American League uh, championship, ALCS, um, yeah. But yeah, the LCS. Um, 
But I'm let me tell you though, Matt. I, I you know, I mean, looking back now that I'm older, right? I mean, that was the ultimate, and I mean the ultimate summer job for a high school kid they, to be around professional sports and to you know be side by side with your idols, uh, watching them take batting practice and fielding, and watching all the preparation that went into a game and how they got ready and the psyche of each player and how different players approached every this you know starting pitchers how they how they their demeanors completely changed on game day and what they were like when they were on their off days. It's, it was just looking back on it now, it was such a valuable experience for me. I, I, it's something I'll never forget. Any cool personal interactions with those guys? A guy like George oh, yeah. Hall you mentioned? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to wash their cars all the time. Uh, Jesse Barfield, Lloyd Mosby. Um, and then uh, even some of the visiting teams, like, you know, uh, you remember Charlie Huff? Yep. The knuckleballer? He taught, he tried to teach me how to throw a knuckleball. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, it, and then I'll never forget uh, another one was uh, Yogi Berra when he was with the Yankees. I remember he went through a pregame ritual on how to get his chewing tobacco ready and how long he chewed his gum and he would get his chewing tobacco and then he would, he'd slice uh, black licorice and he would put it in the ball of the chewing tobacco and then he would wrap the chewing tobacco in, in chewing gum. <laughs> wow it was pretty crazy but you know I mean just things like you know I can remember Roger Clemens when he first got into the league and and, and Rod Carew and all these great players that you know David I'll never forget the first time I saw Dave Winfield come out of the dugout and thought oh my god like he was larger than life Cal Ripken all these great players that you were able to kind of watch from a, a you know a, a point where you know not the average fan was going to see so it was Again, uh, just a fabulous experience. Julio and, and Yogi Berra, who would have yeah. thunk it? Uh, Exhibition <laughs> Stadium, of course, is no longer. It's BMO Field, uh, where the Toronto Argonauts play now, is on that site at the CNE. Uh, we go there once a year for games, Julio. Uh, when we do go back there, do you get a little uh, nostalgic when you're, when you're yeah. walking around there? Well, it's, I think the home plate, oh, the old home plate to Exhibition Stadium is out in the parking lot. <laughs> I went to that. Because okay. I said that that was one of the that was one of my jobs. Like I when I was there, my uh, I used to sit in the visiting team dugout, and I used to have a, there was a wheelbarrow there with the tarps to cover the home plate and mound if there was a rain delay. But if there wasn't a, a chance of rain, I used to sit in that corner, um, and I used to handle repairing home plate and the mound after games. So we would brush out all the clay and then fill all the holes from the batters, making the holes in the batting box and do all that stuff, mix all the clay. And so it was, uh, it was, um, you know, that's where I did. So I, whenever I do go back to BMO, I, I do go to that spot and reminisce a little bit about all those days. I used to use that tamper and try to fix around home plate. Talk baseball with you all day, but uh, we were talking a bit earlier about uh, this time we're in right now, and it's a lot of Netflix, a lot of television. Uh, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. I understand yeah. you watched the first couple of those. Uh, pretty amazing behind-the-scenes footage there, is it? Oh, not? I love it. Oh, I love it. Um, I mean, you know, and I'm looking forward to it because tonight I'm going to watch uh, uh, three and four. I think they got released tonight on Netflix, so I'll watch those tonight. Um, yeah, I love that behind-the-scenes stuff, and you know, especially too with a guy like Jordan, and you know, to see how competitive he was, and how he, you know, not only drove himself, but how he drove his teammates. Um, you know, he, I was, you know, I, I obviously grew up in 
you know, in, in his era, right, where, you know, I was a huge North Carolina fan when he was there. Um, and obviously it followed his career when he was in the NBA. And, you know, I know people, everybody has their opinion about who the greatest is. And we have a lot of great choices with, with him and, and Kobe and, and LeBron and stuff. But uh, man, oh, man, was it a pleasure to watch that guy compete. Um, when he was, when he had that look in his eye, man, he was something else. And I'll admit it, when, when I first heard about this, I kind of thought, yeah, okay. I mean, we know what happened. Uh, the greatness of Michael Jordan in that dynasty has been told several times over. But then as I was getting ready to watch episode one, and I'm hearing people say, yeah, there's all this behind-the-scenes, never-before-seen yeah. footage before. Yeah. It's amazing. Back in that day, like, two would have thought that, too. That wasn't a thing back then. Right. Right? Like, and to, keep, to be able to keep that, those tapes under wraps for as long as they have – Right. It's pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, and especially with this time with a lot of people at home, I'm sure everybody's waiting from week to week to see the next episode. So, uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it tonight. And you see uh, some of those shots you do see and you see guys filming with the big video cameras. It's like, what, yeah, the, that's right. what the hell is that? I remember that. <laughs> well, I we won't spoil it. I won't spoil it because you're going to watch episode three and four when we're done this. Uh, but I will. Uh, give you a little bit of a tease. Uh, you're going to get your Dennis Rodman fix here. These days. Yeah, I heard, I've, I've heard that. I've heard that. So brace yourself. <laughs> brace yourself. Uh, <laughs> very well. Um, Ten-part series, and uh, there's still plenty more where that came from. As far as uh, the BC Lions goes, uh, we're talking here on the First and Now podcast, episode 26, CFL draft set for Thursday um different feeling than last year because uh we're on the clock or we will be on the clock as of now uh with the number three overall pick calgary first toronto second a bit of a far cry from last year where after a series of trades uh there was no picks i believe until round number three but yeah anyway, uh don't have to talk about specific players as we don't want to tip our hand or anything, but uh, how excited are you for this time of year, Julio? Because as you know, Canadian content is really what separates uh, the contenders from the pretenders. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it, there's a lot of man hours that have gone into, you know, I mean, this point, I think when, you know, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who watch the NFL draft, you know, you, you see what goes on there and, you know, all the, all the CFL drafts that I've gone through, um, you know, guys like G. Roy Simon that put so much time and effort into, you know, what goes on in these things. This, this is, you know, this is his, his, his game day, right? Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited because I know how much work goes into it. I'm excited for the players because the other thing, like I, I was involved that way back when in the, one of the, you know, when they used to bring the, used to bring us to Toronto for the evaluation camp and it was really just a two day thing. And, it was pretty, you know, it was not, it's nowhere near what it is now, but you're excited for the players too, right? It's a big, big day for these guys. They work very, very hard. And, um, you know, to hear their name get their get called on, on draft day is a, is a big thrill. And um, it is only a, a, a small step, um, you know, to fulfilling your dream of becoming a professional football player, but um, it is, it is a step in the right direction. And, I'm always fascinated too with the guys that don't get drafted, right? And 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 those undrafted free agents that, you know, come out of nowhere that no one believed in, and all of a sudden you come to training camp and they're like, who this? Who's this guy, right? So, you know, I mean, I've I've always said this, like for you can put all the man hours you can into it and try to come up with a, a you know, an an educated, um, you know, almost an educated guess as to who's going to work and who's not. 
but it, it is a very, very difficult thing to, to predict who will succeed and who won't. You know, we've got so many examples of guys that were drafted in late rounds that ended up being starters and, and having fantastic careers and guys that were first round picks that never pan out. Uh, it is a bit of a crapshoot. So um, I'm always excited to hear those stories, right? The, the, the story of the unknown, the, the kid who comes out of nowhere to, to make a team is, those are all always fantastic uh, stories to follow. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of kids that are going to have sleepless weeks or sleepless week, um, you know, heading into Thursday because it's a big deal. Like I said, a lot of hard work and sweat um, has gone into these, into this moment. And, and, and it's always nice to see them have their dream fulfilled. You can head to bclions.com. Our very own Brian Helberg did a nice job uh, chronicling some of those late steals for the Lions in the last few years. Guys like Jordan Herdman-Reed, Shaq Johnson uh, could be one of the next up-and-coming yeah. receivers, already is. David Menard, another example, I believe uh, a third or a fourth round pick. He, of course, is yeah, exactly. Montreal. So when you look at those examples, Julio, that's where if you're a fan of the Lions and you're wondering what they could come away with Thursday night, those are the examples you get excited about. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. And, and, and that's the, I think sometimes that's the fun part about the draft and for, you know, uh, for Ed and for, for Rick that, that I mean is finding that diamond in the rough, right. Finding that guy in the, in the fourth and fifth round that surprises everybody and, 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 you know, ends up being a starter on your team and then I'm having a, a fantastic career. That's, that's the thrill of this, uh, um, so, you know, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I know how much work has gone into this. And um, I know this is kind of an unprecedented year with, with not getting a chance to see them at the combine and, and doing a lot of virtual probably meeting and, and, and talking to them. But um, and it's going to test them a little bit more. Right. Because you're going to have to go more off of what you saw on film of them in college, as opposed to seeing them in person. A lot of these guys want to be able to see you run. They want to see you catch a ball, throw a ball, run a route, make, make a move or a block a guy at the line of scrimmage. So that, that stuff's all, you know, you gotta, you gotta rely on all the game film. And so um, it's going to be different for, for a lot of these teams to be able to do that. Yeah. Ed Hervey, uh, G. Roy Simon, Rob Ralph, Neil McAvoy, Rick Campbell, very much involved. Of course, it's a credit to those guys. Yeah. They've done a good job the last couple of years, improving this club's Canadian content in general. Uh, but, Julio, if there's one positional area you look at as far as nationals, what would you like to see um, upgraded here this week? Uh, well, I, you mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I always say this, and I mean, you, you just can never have enough depth on a line of scrimmage, right? Whether it's an offensive or defensive lineman, I think that's uh, always a spot that, uh, that um, is so critical because the game's won and lost there, and so um, – I think if you can if you can load up with talent at that at that um, position, you're never going to go wrong. But um, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned the rest of those guys' names because I I, I didn't want to leave any of those guys out because I again I don't want to discount. I just don't want to say it's G. Where I know how many hours mm -hmm. all those the Neil McAvoy's put in, um, and you know the thing about those guys too, they have such a passion for it too, right? They have a passion for uh, the Canadian game and 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 finding those players and giving those players a chance. But, you know, the other thing, too, Bakes, is that's exciting about where we are in, you know, with football right across this country um, is just look at the players that they're putting out, right? And obviously with, with the NFL draft and, you know, Chase Claypool being, you know, from, from Abbotsford and, and his great career. But I just think, too, like the, 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 the grassroots level right through to high school and then into universities, 
right across the board, across this country, they're doing such a better job of preparing these guys um, for the next level. And we're just seeing way more skill players. It used to be just about the offensive and defensive linemen. And I don't want to, you know, downplay that. Cause as I said, I think that's the most important part where you build your team, but we're seeing so many more um, skilled players have big impacts. Lamar Durant's Shaq Johnson, you said, um, those are the kinds of guys that, you know, that can come in and, and they're, they're playing skilled positions and, and having huge impacts. Um, and that's exciting to see too, because uh, like I said, the, the, the athlete, the football player coming out of this country is getting better and better every year. Yeah, it was very cool seeing Chase uh, get the call from Mike Tomlin there uh, at the yeah. Abbotsford. Wasn't that something? Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. Very cool. Um, let's talk about your situation. Um, you carved a brilliant career for yourself in the Canadian <laughs> Football League. Uh, for the longest uh, time, you were the most... Thanks for that, Matt. Brilliant. Uh, br brilliant wouldn't be the first word that came to mind. Well, it was my first word. So anyway... <laughs> But anyway, I think until until 2015, for several years, you were the most recent Canadian to take a snap uh, as a quarterback in the Canadian Football League. But I forgot about this, Julio. You weren't drafted, were you? You you signed with no. the Lions as a as a free agent in 1991. Uh, take yeah. us through that process. Yes. <laughs> well, I I remember. I know because I know how important it is. Like, I remember going to the evaluation camp, and uh, um, I re I originally um, thought that Cal Murphy and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who that's where I, when I came out of college, I thought they were going to draft me. They, I remember talking to him and him saying that, listen, if we get a chance, we're going to draft you. Um, he liked my versatility, liked the fact that I could do a whole bunch of different things. But I, when I never, I never got drafted, I was devastated, right? You know, I had a couple of guys, all my teammates that got drafted. Millington, I think uh, that year went number one overall to Edmonton. So I was devastated that I didn't get drafted. But um, I got a call like a day later or two days later with Winnipeg offering me a contract. So I went and I went and tried out there. Um, and I was, I was, you know, um, Danny McManus was there as a quarterback, Brent Peace. I remember uh, Bob Cameron was the punter. Trevor Kennard was the field goal kicker. So I was in tough competition there. But I was only there for about four days. And it was quite an, quite an experience going to Winnipeg back in those days. So, yeah, so anyways, as I said, Cal Murphy and Bill Quinner. Uh, if you remember Bill Quinner, who yeah. used to be a player personnel director for the Lions, uh, he really liked me. And then, so in 1990, I got cut. I came back and went back to SFU, and I finished um, – um, I was a grad assistant there and was finishing up my degree. And then Bill Quinner, lucky for me, Bill Quinner came to BC with Bob Obilovich. So in January of that year, in 1991, Quinner called me and brought me down there and said, we'd like to sign you. And um, yeah, and then, like I said, I, I kind of, I think I surprised a few people uh, making the team. Like I said, I wasn't drafted and I was a Canadian quarterback. And um, I remember Bob Obilovich telling me that he wanted me to concentrate on my punting and, uh, you know, learn how to kick field goals. I wasn't a field goal kicker. So he said, learn how to kick field goals if you can. I'm thinking, yeah, really great place to learn how to kick field goals is at the pro level. Um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah. So anyways, I, mean, I went to training camp and, and, you know, had a very good training camp throwing the ball and also kicking. And so I think my versatility is really what, you know, was what, what intrigued Bob Bilovich, you know, because the idea that I could 
be the third quarterback, but I could also punt and I could kick off and I could kick field goals. I held on field goals. You know, I could run a little bit of receiver if, if I needed to. Um, so, you know, it was just one of those things where my versatility, I think, uh, helped me out quite a bit and kept me around. You know I mean? Had I been just a Canadian quarterback, I don't think I would have survived very long. I mean, it just, there was just no appetite. But the ability to do other things kept me around, and I got better as a quarterback. And eventually, you know I mean? I, I, I was able to get a little bit of an opportunity. I would have loved a lot more. But, you know, that's just the way it goes, right? So. Um, but I was thrilled to have been able to carve out an eight-year career. And, um, yeah, so that, that, that's my story. Yeah, and Bob Cameron, as you mentioned, a guy like him, he ended up punting for another decade after that at least. Yeah, well, he was a, he was a, he was a Heck Creighton Award winner as a quarterback at Acadia. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and you're right. He did kick for another – oh, geez, I don't know. If, was it 10 years after that? It was, it was, quite, a, it was quite a while. Well into um, his 40s, I think, right? Yes, he was like Big Lou. Yeah. 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 Louis Pasaglia, of course, uh, one of the four Lions legends that were slated to be honored or was slated to be honored at the Orange Helmets before everything kind of uh, got serious with the pandemic. Uh, stay tuned to bclions.com. We have lots of great content with the Orange Helmets that we're going to be throwing out there over the next uh, week or so. And uh, while we're on, while we're talking about your path here, Julio, for a few more minutes on the uh, first and now episode. Uh, 26. Um, I found this out. It's Wikipedia, so we don't know how reliable it is. You were actually selected by the Montreal Alouettes in the <laughs> dispersal draft after Baltimore yes. moved there. Take us through that yes. process. What happened there? Well, what ended up happening was that they had negotiated um, that uh, every team was going to give up a player, a Canadian player, um, to Montreal. And originally, Spencer McLennan was the pick that I was, I, I mean, I'd heard later that I was protected. And Spencer was not. And Spencer ended up getting picked by Dave Ritchie, who was then the head coach in Montreal. Right. So, so then what ended up happening was I think Montreal wanted to be able to, uh, or wasn't happy with the amount of players. They, they figured they needed more. But I guess there was a problem with the negotiating with the union. They weren't going to let them do that, right? Because they wanted just everyone to give up another player. And the teams were like, no, we're not giving up another player. So I think they behind the scenes said, hey, listen, you got to trade someone there. So I got traded uh, to Montreal. So that's where, that's why I went. I didn't go into dispersal. I went, I got traded there and then I, I refused to go. Right? I was just like, well, that's, you know, I mean, that that's, you know, not part of the agreement. And uh, so anyways, it got a little crazy there for a while. And then um, I ended up getting traded back. Uh, and I think if I'm not mistaken, the, the pick that I, I don't know whether or not it was a second or a third round pick, but I ended up getting traded back. And I think that the pick ended up being Jerome Payton, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> who never, who never showed up. I don't think who never played in the CFL, obviously had a great, um, had a great uh, career uh, down South, but, yeah, so that's that's what uh, what ended up happening. So I ended up getting training back. So I ended up missing, um, I think, a couple of weeks of training camp, and then um, I ended up getting shipped back. And and that's and that's kind of how it went down. That was nineteen ninety. If I'm if, if I'm not mistaken, that was nineteen ninety six, right? Yeah. So I'm they sure. yeah, Baltimore, of course, had bounced back to win the Grey Cup in nineteen ninety five, and then and then that was it. And um, 
it's funny we're talking about this because I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Dave Naylor at TSN did a great sort of documentary on that 95 Stallions team who they never got a parade, right? Like they folded. Yeah. Well, they didn't fold. They ended up, the, the U.S. teams disbanded except Baltimore ended up moving to Montreal. Yes. So they basically never got a parade. And a lot of those guys never saw each other again until I think it was 20 years after the fact when they, they had that little bit of a reunion in Baltimore. That was kind of cool. That was the 95 team, right? The 95 team that won it, yeah. They never got a yeah, parade. Now, now that was, they ended up sort of disbanding and yeah. moving. Well, I'll give you this one, too. That was, that was my first start. In 1995, I went to Baltimore yeah. and made my first start uh, against that team. Okay. So Danny McManus was supposed to play, right? And yeah. um, I'll give you a, a quick story about this. Danny McManus was supposed to play. It was the end of the year. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, they wanted to rest him. So, they figured they're going to give me my first start against yeah. Baltimore. And if you look back st statistically, that defense was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And also, you know who else's first starter was? Gary Sawatsky. There's a name for you. Oh, yeah. Remember Gary Sawatsky? Of course. Well, you could have that for another, another podcast because that's a great story, too. Um, but, uh, anyways, I ended up. So when I got named the starter, the spread went from six to 14 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, do you remember Jim Mills? Yeah. Yeah, Jim Mills was a great teammate, great player, Hall of Famer. And he was one of the funniest guys I've ever been around. So. Anyways, we end up losing the game. Carlos Huerta kicked a field goal with, I think, a minute left to win the game. I think we were up by one and ended up losing by two. And so, anyways, Jim Mills comes up to me after and says, hey, listen, I, I, want you to tell, I wanted to tell you that I'm really proud of you. You, you did a hell of a job. Uh, he goes, uh, but a buddy of mine asked me, is there any way that Caravada can cover a 14 and a half point spread against Baltimore and he said not a chance <laughs> well you proved that wrong yeah I, I got it up here 28 to 26 on uh, 28 to 26 yeah October 21st of 1995 of course the 95 year started with a home game against Baltimore a rematch of the yeah, break of the it's right that's right 37-34 win uh, you would we would have raised the banner that night and um we did man, what a time Oh, and that um, stadium was unbelievable too, Bakes. They, they played in Old Municipal Stadium, right? Yep. Where the old or Orioles and, and uh, the Baltimore Colts used to play. Of course. So it was, it was wild to come out of that because that was an old stadium, but man, oh man, did it have a lot of character. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's a historic venue. Anyway, yeah. Places, yeah. Uh, I remember uh, very quickly um, before we wrap up here, um, I, I was talking to Jamie Terrace a few years ago, I think for a piece I was doing on uh, the U.S. teams and – I was getting his memories on going to Las Vegas, which would have been in 1994. And the thing, yeah. the thing Terrace mentioned to me, Julio, was you always had a sense of pride beating those American teams because they didn't have to sure. abide by the rules, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Like, that was, that was a huge rallying cry um, in the 94 Grey Cup. Right. Right? Like, we were playing a team that was all Americans, and – you know, we had that all-Canadian defensive line. And, and, you know, I mean, there, there was a lot of pride there in, 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 in beating them. So, 
you're right. Every time you played against those American teams, there was a, a real sense of, you know, we wanted to prove that everyone thought that they were just going to roll over us because half our roster was Canadian. So um, I think, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of the teams took a lot of pride in that when they went down and played those teams. Never gets old watching those highlights. And uh, no. TSN 1040, uh, your radio station, our radio station, going to be rebroadcasting the 2011 Great Cup yeah. this week. So uh, watch out for that. Good times indeed. Uh, Great memory. Julio, we've, kept you, uh, we've kept you for a few uh, minutes here. We'll let you get to the last dance. Uh, enjoy the Dennis <laughs> Rodman And um, appreciate you joining us here on episode 27. I may have incorrectly stated episode 26 a couple times, but we're in weird times here. You don't know what day it is. You don't know what week it is, right? It's, it's actually, that's so true, though. I, mean, I find myself asking what day it is all the time. So, uh, as always, Matt, it's always a pleasure. Anytime I can help you out, uh, please let me know. But uh, we miss football. I'm going to miss going to training camp. I, I hope uh, we get back to a normal life as soon as possible. But uh, everybody out there, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we're all in this together. Absolutely. Well said. Glad you and the family are good. And a uh, reminder, while we're here, while we're wrapping up on First and Now, Episode 27, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, bclions.com our draft central uh, powered by telus all our preview stuff is up there and the picks as they come in fast and furious on thursday night julio thanks yeah. thanks buddy good luck on thursday i know you'll be busy behave yourself eh yeah you too cheers <laughs> <laughs>